Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, bonjour, hola, michal, marhaben, privet, namaste, and shalom. Welcome back to Export Stories Podcast and our first episode of 2022. I'm your host, Betsy Olam. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so great to be back. What a better way to start the year than to talk about a super innovative product from a remarkable U.S. company. The company is Theratogs with headquarters in Colorado. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Bobby Lahare, founder and CEO of Spoken Here Language Services. We're in the business of building better relationships worldwide. Every great relationship is rooted in great communication, and great communication starts with spoken here. We envision a planet where differences in language do not keep people from building deep and meaningful connections with one another. Our passion for and expertise in foreign languages help our business clients enter new markets, strengthen their brand, and grow. Spoken Here is an ISO 9001 certified company delivering on-demand remote interpreting, translation, and voiceovers in more than 300 languages. With linguistic experts in over 80 countries, we are well positioned to meet the demanding foreign language needs of our clients in a rapidly changing global economy. Our clients span many industries, including healthcare, manufacturing, marketing, legal, and nonprofit social services, to name just a few. We translate websites, contracts, product packaging, installation manuals, marketing materials, and much more. If your project calls for audio in another language, our professional voiceover talents can make you sound great anywhere. And our trained remote interpreters can facilitate conversations with your employees, customers, and patients who do not speak your language. We believe our language services are the best in the world, but we feel it is our team that truly makes the difference. Our core values of putting people first, valuing authenticity, and striving to deliver a wow experience to everyone we work with have guided us in creating a culture of quality, integrity, and excellence. If you are ready to build better relationships with the people your business values most, we'd love to hear your story and how we can help you write the next chapter. Visit us today at Spoken-Here.com. Spoken Here, building better relationships worldwide. And now to explain what Theratogs does, it is my pleasure to introduce Lee Taylor, CEO and co-founder, and Beverly Billy Cusick, Chief Science Officer and co-founder. Hello, Lee and Billy. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Hello. greetings, and thanks for the invitation. Yeah, this is really cool. Y'all are the first ones for 2022, so uh, this is special. And, uh, you know, I've always just been enamored with what you do, uh, your product's so interesting. And, uh, but first, uh, Lee and Billy, both of you, can you tell us something about your backgrounds and how you came to create this business? 
My background is in pediatric physical therapy, particularly for children with uh, chronic disabilities like cerebral palsy. I've been at this, um, in this work since 1974. Um, one of my biggest frustrations as a therapist was figuring out how to make therapy last longer than a therapy session because it takes so much training to teach a child with cerebral palsy how to balance and move. So um, I finally figured out that uh, I need to put the child into a set of clothing that does uh, for me what I can't do on my own. I, I can't send my hands home, even though if I was successful in a therapy session and improving functioning alignment, I couldn't carry on with that. And I, they, I felt the kids needed more practice time. So that led me to pursue the notion of actually creating a garment set that can be worn underneath clothing where I can actually attach alignment assisting straps. So the child basically lives in a body that's better aligned and has an ordinary day. So that's where all that came from about 25 years of feeling there's must, something must be, must be something else we can do. And then finally manifesting it after about five years of playing around with materials and mm -hmm. patterns. And I was asked by a therapist colleague of mine, if I would just not teach them how to use these materials, but actually make something that they can put on their kids, just turn them into a product, which had never occurred to me because that wasn't where my head was at all. So, but I saw her point. She, she said, we don't have time in, in therapy setting to be cutting and fitting materials and fabrics. And can't you just make a product? So between 1997 and 2002, that process went underway. And we launched in 2002 at the American Academy of Cerebral Palsy and Developmental Medicine meeting in New Orleans. And it's been uh, a rock and ride ever since. Wow. Do you call it, where, where do you call it? Wearable? Therapy you wear. Therapy wear. Okay. Ther no, therapy you wear. Therapy you wear. Perfect. Okay, right. cool. And so Lee, how does your story connect with that? Other than the two of you are Mr. And Mrs. <laughs> how does well, my background's a little bit more eclectic. Billy left out the part where she decided she was going to be a physical therapist when she was, I think, nine <laughs> at summer camp. Gosh. Because her favorite camp counselor was studying to be a PT, and that just decided it for her right there. Wow. Um, so my background is a bit more varied. Um, uh, once I graduated from the University of the South, uh, I went to a number of uh, different paths, um, law firm administration. I actually started out when I first moved to San Francisco as a dispatcher for a national singing telegram company. Um, I didn't have to sing, thank goodness for me and the customers. Um, and uh, as one investor asked me, he said, how did you get into this? And I said, well, I made a career move 30-something um, years ago and uh, married Billy. <laughs> and uh, I've had a couple of other startup experiences. We have our own training business called Progressive Gateways that we've had in one form or another since probably 1987 or so. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then when this came along, I had just gotten laid off after 9-11 for the first time in my experience. 
And um, the opportunity to turn this into a product seemed like, okay, well, that must be why I got laid off. So off we go. You told us what your product does, but how has this really made a difference in the whole world of physical therapy? Because I know it has. Well, I wouldn't say, I would say that for those who use it, um, their, their uh, success, their feeling of success is, is improved because they're just keeping their children in better alignment. We have a friend in California who sees a lot of babies and she says she's been able to reduce the amount of therapy and time she has to work with these babies by a year to two um, where she can discharge them much earlier because they're learning so much more about how to move right. using the Theratox for practice. Right. So the, the whole point here is that I'm really trying to change the paradigm of rehabilitation from go to get a therapy session and then try to remember what you're supposed to do and then do it at home three times a day and then come back for a therapy session. When in fact, developing children need to live in a body that they're learning how to use and the body needs to be as well aligned as it should be for their age. Yeah. And uh, um, the, what I hope for eventually is that people will realize you need to live in a body that tells you more about what's happening with your body, you get more sensory information from it and you get some alignment help um, and that your body will adapt to those, those changes over time, because that's what bodies do. Mm. So I would say that I don't know that we've really changed the paradigm worldwide, except that there are something like 50,000 units sold worldwide. I think we're in that's more than lot. 40 countries. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and there's, there's more or less success in different regions because of their access to the product or because of the expenses of bringing it into the country and so forth. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so this product is mostly for children, but also for adults. Is that correct? Yep. It could be used for adults. Okay. Here's my question. I, I just thought about this. So children, their bodies are developing and changing and growing adults. Mm -hmm. Their bodies are already done yep. developing that way for the most part. How does that work for adults versus how it works for children? If there's a well, way in there. The, the adult that we see uh, most likely to be using Theratox, it would be uh, having the therapist use them to help with rehabilitation after a stroke. I see. So, and that's more likely going to occur in a rehab setting mm -hmm. than it would at home. The adults who are willing to have someone put them into a, a garment set that lines them up, um, if they feel confident enough in themselves to let somebody dress them up. Uh, we'll use them. Uh, there are others who say, no, I don't want anybody to, to have yeah. to take care of me. So wow. there's, there's a variety of responses and cultures that will accept or not accept the Theratox um, at home, but I'm yeah. eager to see them in rehab settings uh, more routinely than we do, um, yeah. particularly the, the VA. Right, right. Oh, so, yeah. I imagine there's great application of, there. Lots of need there, yeah. We have some video on, on our website. Um, there was a case study that um, Billy did, um, an elderly gentleman, and this was several years post-incident uh, of a fairly major stroke. And the before video has him walking with um, a lot of assist very slowly towards the camera. And then Billy um, togged him up. And as, uh, as she says on the video, he took off like a rocket. 
Wow. And it made, you know, consider the difference of trying to get across the street and not get hit by a bus and being able to just cross the street. Wow. The challenge is that you have a lot of, um, you have a lot going on when you have a stroke like that. Sure. And so the strapping application is not trivial because you're trying to replicate, um, in some cases, replicate the musculature. And, and you know, we all know how complicated that is. Yeah. So um, that's why it's been difficult to help all the people that we want to help in the adult population simply because the strapping applications are demanding in, in many cases. It's true. It's not something you can really do just by yourself, put it on yourself. Not yet. No, we not hope yet. to get there someday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's understandable. So you've mentioned, and, and the whole point of this conversation is about taking a wonderful product like this and getting it into international markets. So um, if you can talk a little bit how for you first got into selling to international markets and then how you've grown your export business, if you can. Oh. Our, our secret weapon in that, because for a small company, we've had an international footprint for um, 18, 19 years. Um, and the, the secret weapon, so to speak, was actually uh, Billy's training um, services. She already had a worldwide reputation and was traveling all over to mm -hmm. offer training to pediatric therapists and orthotists um, mm -hmm. in developmental uh, issues and norms and what's going on. It was kind of scary how much they weren't being taught in school um, as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, and Billy's been in private practice for almost that many years. So she's the person who does all the reading. She's kind of like the designated reader. She's also known as the footnote queen because <laughs> she can scare you with how many footnotes, references she can rattle off in any particular circumstance. That's impressive. But, what that meant was that we already had worldwide exposure. And as soon as Billy started talking about Theratogs, mm -hmm. um, our first formal international interest was uh, at our second trade show when we exhibited at um, MedTrade down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And um, we were visited by a number of different uh, distributors and clinicians from other countries. It's an international show. Right. But uh, an Italian team... Um, pretty much kind of jumped up and down and said, we want to carry this product. So that was October. And I think by July of the following year, we had our first international contract in place. And the whole team came out in September to Colorado to um, train. Mm -hmm. um, now I learned something from that experience. Uh, and that is when you're dealing with um, your international partners and their English may not be as good as yours, although of course their Italian is better than yours would ever be. Um, right. hum humor doesn't always work. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yes, I know. I know well. I know well. It doesn't always translate. No, uh, and and what's worse is that it can create misperceptions because um, I learned the hard way from that trip experience when they were here mm -hmm. that. Um, although I never would have said such a thing, they walked away with the implication that, you know, under proper performance, they could have all of Europe. And, oh, um, wow. That wasn't going to happen. Right. And I learned the hard way. Don't say anything you don't really mean and say it in plain language. Uh, you know, that, that could be maybe one of the most important lessons on this podcast. I, I bet you 
everybody has experienced that in in startup exporting uh you know just the misinterpretation because that's that's a big issue where new dealers and distributors they they don't want to be um constrained with growing you know across borders and they just want the biggest possible territory and companies have to determine in very clear language on the front end what how they're going to uh express that to their dealers and make it very clear and mm-hmm. and so that's very common uh you know to have that kind of great mistake. I can't even make unique mistakes. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah, very common, but but important. It's an important lesson, and uh, yeah, so that that's very interesting. Um, so um, so tell us then about uh, growing the export business. How how did that? How did you do that? Did you create a dealer network? Is distributor network? What what exactly? Well, going through the going through the exercise of getting established with um, this Italian distributor um, was a really good education in the nuts and bolts of what we needed to set up in the way of training and onboarding and resources available to them and so forth. And we're still improving on that. I'm sure our current distributors could give you a list of things that they'd like to have that we haven't, we haven't come up with yet, but um, it taught us about the process uh, in a, in a very important way. And then what we learned from there, our our next foray was actually into Australia because we had an existing uh, relationship with a a nonprofit in Australia that had a product arm, Mm -hmm. which is kind of strange, but they were, they were like, they were like uh, the, um, the American Cancer Association, but for cerebral palsy in, in um, Australia, but they, but they had an import business you know, being practical about it, I suppose. Um, So that was our second foray. And uh, that got us towards a, um, we did, Billy did a long three month teaching tour down in Australia um, in 93, shortly before we moved to Colorado and before we actually launched the business. But that established pretty strong relationships. And in fact, when the the nonprofit um, decided that they wanted to get out of the export uh, importing business, um, we already had connections with uh, another group that uh, wanted to step up and take over. Cool. And that's been real common as far as our expansion has been. I mean, we would probably drive the business school people crazy because we've been mostly responsive to interest. We haven't had to really go out and um, try to meet with a whole bunch of distributors and uh, try to sell them on the idea of carrying the product. Um, most of our distributors have a therapeutic background so they get the value proposition right away yeah yeah and a few of our distributors are are now distributors but they used to be nothing but clinicians and in one case one of our biggest customers is actually um the older sister of a woman with or the younger sister i think with of a woman with cerebral palsy and she built a business around wanting to be able to help her sister and wow. we were one of the flagship products that they brought in. I got you. I got no you. small feat in Brazil, as you know. Oh, Brazil, yeah. Very, very complex. So, Billy, have you, like, trained the trainers? Do you have, I guess, each distributor also becomes, you. Tra- your company trains them? I guess you have a, 
like a, a core right. we have trainers? A, yeah, we have a structure for uh, training trainers. And uh, once that's happened, we've also set up a certified fitter program where people who actually do come to get trained in putting Theratogs on for best effect uh, get uh, noticed, um, they get posted on our website as certified fitters. And that helps get a lot of people find someone who's familiar with Theratogs. Right. We didn't, I didn't make them in order for you to have to be trained to use them. I made them for therapists who just wished they had more hands mm -hmm. and knew how to help a child to um, achieve a better functioning alignment during a therapy session mm -hmm. and who shared my frustration that you can't keep that change after they go home. It's very hard to sustain it without a lot of follow-up and a lot of carryover at home. Right. So essentially, um, most of the therapists, I haven't trained 50,000 people to use Theratogs. They, we have documentation. We've always had illustrated how to uh, support. We're adding more e all the time to uh, in web and video versions now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's good because it makes people more confident. But uh, as it happens, um, yes, I do. There are people in, in most of the countries who have been trained by me for a Theratogs rationale and the uh, principles of use and some strategies for how to begin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. It took uh, us a while to get there, though, um, you know, sure. because because we thought this is Theratogs do what your hands do. Mm -hmm. Take it home and do what your hands do, and you know, call us if you need us, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the uh, the certified fitter program really didn't come along for another eight ten years. And it actually took us a while to wrap our heads around the, the notion that we could offer a certification in the application of the product mm -hmm. without having to certify whether, you know, a particular therapist was actually good at what she did or, you know, knew her principles or whatever. So yeah. we had enough science at the beginning of the course to offer, these are the foundations that Theratogs are built on, the, the scientific principles, and then a training lab in the afternoon to um, have them demonstrate on each other. This is how it's done. Interesting. And also, and also feel it. Yeah. Because you have no idea how significant the change is when you're wearing them, unless you feel it. Cool. That was one of the things that we figured out early on on the um, when we were doing trade shows. Yeah. Is that we got a big enough booth so that we could bring sample garments and dress people in them. Um, oh. and, there are a number of fun stories about that, but and, and maybe maybe you'll tell us one. But let's uh, and I, I want to hear all the stories. But let's talk about some of the export issues that you've dealt with. Uh, I have my, my first question would be about intellectual property issues. Has that ever been a problem? I know it's a complex product, so maybe yeah. not. But well, uh, yes. When we first began to uh, protect, well, we, we filed provisionals, of course, right away when we went to market. And then we filed in 20, early 2003, we filed an, an update uh, to our current provisional because Billy was going to go present at NASA. Um, and we, we heard through the grapevine that NASA was really good at borrowing ideas. So we said, okay, we'll make sure we're covered. But our, our 
our strategy was to go through the WIPO um, and then go national through a WIPO application to the countries that we thought we needed to go to. Okay. And you no, know, so we we did that for the U.S. and Canada, um, and then at that point we had to look hard at uh, what our budget constraints were, and the return on getting a patent protection in, say, the EU, which we struggled and struggled with, and finally huh. uh, gave up. Um, that's only as good as your wallet is to protect it. Yeah. So we had to make some hard choices about not extending the patents further. Right. So at, at, we're, we're now patented in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. But we've had we've had knockoffs appear because the, it looks pretty simple. Um, the end product looks pretty simple. It's it's some carefully cut um, foamed fabric that is held together with Velcro. Mm -hmm. Now, coming up with the properties of the fabric that we've developed. And the properties of the foam that we've helped develop is non-trivial, but if you're in the marketplace and you knock it off with some stuff off the shelf um, yeah. because you don't care whether it works or not. Right. So yeah, we, we, we play whack-a-mole. I bet, I bet. I was wondering about that. What are some of the other issues as you got into different markets? Uh, you want to talk, tell us some stories about that. We love stories. <laughs> Well, um, I, uh, how, yeah, go ahead. Well, I know Billy, Billy, you mentioned something about Argentina to me the other day. Mm -hmm. Something. Oh, well, yeah, but, um, well, one of the things that we have to deal with is the fact that we can sell to other countries at a price that, that we find very reasonable, but once they've gone through all of their regulatory maneuvers and customs and immigration fees and mm -hmm. so forth, uh, the price of our product soars. And that is an issue for us because it, it does encourage knockoffs. And in the meantime, um, we don't know what else to do about it. Yeah. So Argentina and Brazil and Australia and Turkey, and we get, we get a lot of concerns from distributors over the price of our product and it's like our price isn't bad it's your country that's doing this yeah yeah so um uh one of our our gal in brazil actually managed to jump through the the uh regulatory hoops to bring theratogs into brazil under the auspices of a specialized product uh, registration that mm -hmm. cut down her import fees because she was earning something like 10 percent on sales of theratogs yeah. at the exorbitant rate Wow. She, knew she had to charge it because she couldn't charge more. Yeah. So yeah. technically that was when she got us, she got uh, Theratogs registered in Envisa. Um, and, uh, you know, the second, the second battle, first battle is to, is to get recognized by the health authorities. And the second battle is to get recognized by the reimbursement authorities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a, there was a point early on where um, our Brazilian distributor was literally having to go to court for each product ah. now mm -hmm. regional court a magistrate team. or some, mm -hmm. somebody to um to say yes this falls within the reimbursement guidelines the, the, the government must reimburse it you don't so mean each unit you mean each different product i mean each client well until she had built up enough 
kind of case law mm -hmm. where and hey you know had had worn a path to the proper magistrates to she knew who to work with and so forth but it was a tedious process for her for a long time that's good for her for sticking with it I, she obviously yeah. believed in it mm -hmm. uh, she's also hard-headed so you know <laughs> <laughs> um let's see okay uh, what are what are can you think of some other stories i know you some, said something about never put the word used in the text <laughs> or something what what what's that about we we learned that one the hard way um actually as part of billy's uh training efforts uh -huh. we we ended up having a crate of um, training supplies. When Billy goes to teach about developmental orthopedics, she carries um, a museum with her of sample splints and, you know, sample this and material samples and so forth, um, because that's all part of the educational process. Right. Um, and unfortunately, in making out the commercial invoice, um, because we didn't want to, we want, we were trying to make it clear that these were not items for sale. Uh -huh. um, we put in the word used, as in used splint, or uh, I think actually it was in the tools category. We were carrying some tools and we said uh -huh. used tools and so forth. Uh -huh. And um, that crate sat in customs for a year. Oh, God. Because uh, apparently there, uh, you require special permits to bring used equipment, however it's designated, into the country. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, we were of a, such a low dollar amount, we hadn't done a carnet or anything. It was just yeah. UPS, right. and um, UPS wasn't going to touch it with a 10-foot pole, so it's out there. We thought Nobody helps you. Nobody by designating them as used, we thought they would recognize that they're personal property and not charge us customs on them because they're used and they're mine, yeah. and, and they're, it all just and blew coming up. Back. Yeah. Just blew up. Right, they're going back. Yeah. Oh well. Um, so they sat there until the course. The course, of course, um, we had to scramble to recreate unique, one-of-a-kind sample splints and so forth. And um, Billy, I think, took them down in her luggage to avoid the problem again, yeah. and came back with them. And we finally got them back when the course sponsor had to make a personal visit to customs and um, talk them into it. Well, it was it was a thousand dollars or some big fee. Yeah, we had to pay some kind of crazy fee to get them released. Well, of course, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. Well, I just like to open it up to any other stories you you have some stories to share with us about uh, working in international markets and moving the product and you know just anything that has to do with your global sales. Well, I will say well, that um, we have never approached anybody in any country about selling our product. They approach us. Wonderful. So we, we appreciate their interest. Yeah. But it wasn't our idea. <laughs> yeah. They carry it. So um, it's, it's been intriguing to notice this. It's like a word of mouth thing. Yeah. Maybe people in one country see using Theratogs and they say, where did you get those? And mm -hmm. they find out how to reach us. But um, we had no intention of going global with this. I, I had no intention of even making a product. <laughs> it was like, all this <laughs> stuff seems to have happened yeah. because of the value seen in this idea and the interest in trying to do something 
that actually is meaningful and can help the kids. So we're, you know, really surprised, grateful, um, <clears throat> but um, also uh, it, it's, it's interesting to us that we didn't ask for this. I mean, yeah. we don't, we don't go chasing people around saying, do you want to buy a Theratox? They call us. That is so lucky. But it's not just luck. It's a, um, uh, uh, you know, a valuable product. It's unique and, and uh, you know, it has to do with health. So, you know, I, I can understand that. But so many businesses would just love to have that scenario where they don't have to spend a lot of money on sales. Uh, that's not always the case. Well, it, it does mean when you have when you have um, distributors, all of whom really are are in it for uh, passionate, committed reasons. Yeah, you know they're 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 clinicians or therapy oriented first and business people second. But that also means that you know there's a learning curve to how to be a distributor. Yeah, um, we get uh, we get expressions of interest from areas where we don't have uh, distributor coverage. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a little tough to get in there and help them because they don't know what they need and, um, they see the benefit of the product and they probably see that this product could help a lot of people. And yeah. that's when they want to become distributors. And sometimes they're successful and sometimes not. Poland's a good example. Um, there was actually an, uh, a precursor to Theratogs called the Adeli suit. It was used by the cosmonauts, in fact. Um, and one of the reasons NASA was interested is because when you go up to zero gravity, um, your bones deossify because they're designed to withhold the pressure of your weight against gravity. Right. Billy, will, Billy will correct me along the way here on scientific. Well, you're, you're right. But basically, the um, the the Adeli suit was like a, a lycra jumper with rows of rings and bungee cords. Uh -huh. and literally tied the bungee cords into a knot above the rings in order to create the pressures in the places where you wanted to do it. Yeah. And our understanding is that the astronauts wore it once and then threw it away. But you know, yeah. um, in any event, um, it got into the clinical use in Poland. And as such, when we came along, the category for orthotic garments for um, neuromotor retraining existed. And they were already in the pay system. So um, that was an area where, you know, again, we were more lucky than good, but that's okay. Because we have a passionate guy there, Radic, who um, is determined to get the product uh, effectively used by as many kids as he can. Cool. And um, they're, they're certainly one of our, consistently one of our top five distributors. That's amazing. Is, um, is the product, um, it's not customized for each each uh, customer, each user. Is it? I mean, is it? How it's, I'm not asking. It's made it's kind of a basic design that you can trim to fit, yeah, and you can choose which straps you want to use for your child because you're the therapist. We're not. Yeah. We can we guide you to try to prioritize your um, use of the strapping materials to for everybody's sake so it's not too complicated for families and they're getting the best bang for their buck yeah but by by and large it's it, they come in 
infant, preschool, school age, adolescent, pretty, you know, petite yeah. and medium and large adults. So the sizes are made and they're all, because they're fabric, they can be marked and trimmed for optimum fit and customize the system that you decide to use with your uh, patient mm -hmm. is, is one that you designed because you want that system to do what you want it to do for that patient. So it's, it's customizable that way. Oh, okay. It okay. makes it not my product and my intervention on your person, but it's actually, it's your tool to align your person according to the person's needs as you see them. So oh, yeah. we depend on the therapist's um, vision and knowledge and uh, ability to see what they're supposed to do uh, to execute the Theratog's uh, uses. And what we've given them is a modality that says you can keep you, your client in better alignment all day um, if you have these, these materials available, the garment set and some straps. Okay, I understand, great, great. Yeah, it's, it's really a, an illustration, although we didn't design it this way. You know, yeah. Again, we stumbled into something a bit, but it's really an illustration of, of a mass customization type product mm -hmm. um, because each one is, is uniquely um, configured and it changes. One of the things about Theratox is that because there's there's no sewing involved except for the infant ones where we sew the tabs on so that they don't wander around and get swallowed um, and to make it easier for the moms to get the wiggle worm strapped in properly. Um, the material is, is like a ripstop nylon because of the foam backing. It doesn't run, it doesn't fray or anything. You can trim it any which way you want to. Interesting. Well, I am going to put a link to your website on the episode page so everybody can take a look. Uh, there's, like you said, there's, I think you said there's some video there that people can mm -hmm. look at as well. Um, but what I appreciate is your kind of explaining to people how a, a startup unique export product just works in the international market and how different people do it. So I really appreciate you know, y'all coming here and, and sure. sharing your stories. If I could throw in one more, one more yeah. plug, a very valuable partner that we've had here in Colorado yeah. is the Office of uh, Export and, and, and Development, OEdit. Um, they've had a grant program that afforded us, allowed us to be able to uh, match and go exhibit um, at... Um, Biomedics uh, in Dusseldorf, the, one of the big ones, um, and uh, they've helped us in a number of ways. Oh yeah, that's the STEP grant, right? It's it was. Um, it's either the STEP or, uh, in one case, or there's an Innovate grant because we were considered on the fringes of the biomedical market because of oh, okay. you know, what we do. So there so, were a couple of different options. Yeah, uh, uh, to, to listeners, we have an episode early on uh, about the STEP grant program. You might mm -hmm. want to listen to that again. And then, you know, talk to your state trade development office as well, because some different states have different uh, unique programs. And as Lee is saying, uh, some industries also support innovation and and trade, so so trade organizations or whatever. So good, mm -hmm. really good point. I appreciate that. And uh, Lee and Billy, I just appreciate y'all taking time today to be on the podcast. This was fun. I really enjoyed our discussion. 
Well, thanks. We appreciate thanks the opportunity. Us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And you know, we know that the rest of your programs this year will be even better. <laughs> well, this is a good, start, really good start. And I just want to say to our listeners, we'd love to get a conversation going about this episode and as well as general discussions about exporting. So, you know, please reach out to me on exportstoriespodcast.com where all of our current and past podcasts are available. And I'll be, as I said, I'll be posting web information about Theratalks. So you can ask questions and post comments. And if it's something specific to Theratogs, I'll be, I'll be glad to forward that. Um, we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. So, yeah, you know, what we're trying to do is create a community of exporters here. So please let your voice be heard. We're listening. We, we <laughs> so also have had, uh, let me just make one more point. Um, yes. Um, we've had to accumulate a, a library of strategies for shipping to different countries mm -hmm. and uh, recognize all the specifics that have to do with each country. So mm -hmm. recognize too that when you're going to export, you're going to have to get on a horse um, that has to do with shipping specs and customs of requirements and documentation HTS codes, <laughs> codes and so forth. Yeah. I mean, and how, what are our best resources for that, Lee? Do you know? Um, Typically, your small business development center is going to have somebody on call or available for um, either consulting or just, you know, some casual advice. Um, here in Colorado, we have the World Trade Center in Denver, uh, of which we're members, and they do a pretty good job of making people available when you want to, when you have questions about that sort of thing. And I have to say that uh, of all the U.S. federal government functions, the Department uh -huh. of Commerce is top notch. They are. They are. We've had them on uh, as well. And uh, each, you know, each major city has uh, a representation there and every state has representation of the U.S. Department of Commerce. So uh, I'm a member of what's called the West Tennessee District Export Council. And every state has district export councils. And on those councils are experienced exporters. And the whole point is to be a resource to new exporters. Uh, you know, they should be able to ask questions and, and experienced uh, exporters should be able to help guide them in, in different areas. So there are just a lot of resources and, and our podcast has a lot of discussions with those resources. So I hope people will... We'll, you know, go through the list of, of different guests that we've had as well. So good point. Very good. Well, one other tip. Um, if you have a, uh, a strong business school in your state, wow. they're going to they're going to have an international trade um, track mm -hmm. and they're going to have students and grad students who need internship projects. We had a couple of those, too. Absolutely. Oh, that's so great. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad people are, have, are listening or will be listening to this podcast. So many good ideas. So many. That is so great. Well, um, listen, I've enjoyed this conversation and uh, great to catch up with y'all. Well, yeah. Thanks for reaching out. We appreciate it. And giving us plenty of lead time to worry about it. That's good. <laughs> I did. I told Lee, I think I contacted Lee in November of last year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted you to be able to spend time on your homework. And so, yeah. 
Uh, anyway, no, this is great. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who listened today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 